The scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 5, and I'll read verses 1 through 8. Romans 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that our suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The word of the Lord. When I have 10th graders write about spiritual high points, Rarely, but it has happened, that a 10th grader will write, my spiritual high point has been a great struggle in my life. But more often than not, when a 10th grader writes about a high point, they they write about something else, and then they will mention their struggle, their hurt, their difficulty, as something that is real and, quite frankly, something that they struggle with. Now, I'm going to say uh, two things here which are obvious to all humans on the planet. One is life is filled with a lot of hurt. And secondly, we all wish that hurt went bye-bye. Now, why do we have this hurt? Is it a cruel consequence of evolution? Or maybe it is some mystical, impersonal spiritual force of the universe that just kind of works out good comes to the good and bad, well, that comes to the bad. Well, the Bible has answers to this question, of course. And in short, the answer is God creates, sin destroys, Jesus' first coming resolves our broken relationship with God, restores that, and Jesus' second coming restores the brokenness in creation and takes away the hurt. And here are you and I that live in the middle between Jesus' first and second coming. Well, we have to be honest that we have to deal with hurt And yet we don't really like it. Now, what kind of uh, hurt do we have? Well, this is obvious. We have physical hurt. This can be accident, disease, what people do to us, or sometimes what we do to ourselves. We have social hurt. Maybe we don't fit in, or we feel left out. Maybe we're hurt by the untrustworthiness of a relationship. And when that occurs in a family, 
that hurt goes even deeper. And then, of course, we have, we have mental hurt that results from the physical or the social, and we have grief, we have anxiety, we have depression, and the list could go on. So now, how do we deal with this hurt? How do people deal with the pain? I was thinking about this, and uh, just a bunch of alliteration came to my mind. Okay? How do we deal with pain, pressure, and purposelessness? We look for something powerful. Now, what are powerful things that exist in a world that people use to manage pain? Well, now, a bunch of S words just came to my mind. Uh, first, I think of sounds. Sounds. Uh, this would be music. Now, before you go, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Music is good. God created music. And God created music to have a certain power. And with music, if, if music brings us joy or relaxes us or makes us excited, th this is good. This is a part of God's creation. But there are some people that will trust in their music to cover up the pain in their lives. The music becomes part of their identity. And this is what they turn to as the solution to their pain. And when you trust in sound to do that, well, it may help you feel good for a while, but it, it is not a long-term solution. So sounds. The other is substances. Alcohol and drugs. People are in pain. And they turn to substances to cover up that pain. And while it helps temporarily, in the long term, the effects of it are so much worse. Now, when I'm thinking about these S words, I, I, you know, I can't help but mention the screen, of course. Uh, the screen, it distracts us. Uh, maybe we're painfully lonely or painfully feel left out or, or something, and the screen is a wonderful way just to distract ourselves. Unfortunately, the screen is a massive, of course, can be a massive waste of time, and it can even hurt relationships. We withdraw even more. So we have to be careful on the use of the screen because we can use it to mask our pain, and, and it's not really helping at all. Two more. Next one, SEX. Obviously, God has created this wonderfully and powerfully, powerfully bonding and beautiful when it is reserved for marriage commitment. And yet you see it all over our world today. People abusing this and trying to uh, get the benefit of the power of it without respecting the importance of commitment with it. And while it might help the pain for a while, it just produces all the much more pain in, in one's life. And then lastly, how do we deal with pain? Oddly enough, it's kind of weird people do this, but it happens and it's real. The pain is so deep, people will create even more pain through self-harm and suicide. Tragic that this exists, but it does. And why? Because we are struggling with hurt in our world. 
Friends, the Bible speaks of another word that begins with S, and that is what we truly need, and that is a Savior. In Jesus Christ, our, our hurt becomes hopeful. Our suffering can make sense, and there is purpose in the pain. In Jesus Christ, our hurt becomes hopeful. And I'd like to look to God's word this morning uh, to understand more deeply this beautiful, beautiful truth. Our hurt becomes hopeful. Specifically, Romans 5, verse 3. However, we need to take a step back here for a moment. Romans 5 begins with, therefore. Obviously, it's shouting out to Romans 4. And Romans 4 is kind of talking about family, and we like family, we relate to family. And so we have Father Abraham, and we have our Heavenly Father. And our Heavenly Father has sent Jesus to save. Romans 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Ugh, justification. Justification. Forgiveness of sin and we get Christ's righteousness as a gift. Justification. So now what is Romans 5? Romans 5 begins with the blessings of justification. And that's what we're going to look at. So Romans 5, 1, therefore, let me summarize Romans 4, since we have been justified through faith, now, here are the blessings of justification. First, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have peace with God. It does not say, in Jesus Christ, we have, a, we have peace with everyone else. We have complete peace with our situations in life. In Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. I have a present. It's a gift. Now, if you and I were to choose one gift from God, one gift... We might be tempted to say, I'd like my gift to be a life without hurt. But more important than that, that will come one day, but more important than that right now, the better gift is the gift of grace in which we receive, receive, gift, peace from God. A broken relationship with God restored because of Jesus Christ. And it is a gift. I apologize. This gift is woefully small. Really, I should have a car wrapped and sitting right here. So that when you walk in, you go, wow, that is a gift. Because this is grace. Wow, this is a gift. And I get to receive it. Purely a gift from God. Peace with God. The first part in order for us to understand how we can have hope through our hurt, the gift. So it is this gift and this grace, the Bible says, in which we now stand. And then it says, at the end of verse 2, we rejoice 
in the hope of the glory of God. That word rejoice also can mean boast. It can also mean glory. Let's put it another way. Yes! Yes, yes, yes! This is God's grace. Yes! Hallelujah! What does verse 3 say? Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Excuse me, can, can we just skip over that part? That really doesn't make sense. I get the gift, yes, oh rejoice, but the rejoice in the sufferings, Re really? You know, we live in a world in which we are surrounded by a message that says suffering is bad. Suffering is bad. One indication of this is six states in the United States now have physician-assisted suicide. What is that? You're suffering at the end of the life. Let's go in and, and we can solve that. What's also interesting is 38% of evangelical Christians, when asked if they agree with this statement, they say yes. When a person is facing a painful terminal disease, is it morally acceptable to ask for a physician's aid in taking that person's life? Physician-assisted suicide. Nearly 4 in 10 evangelicals said yes to that statement. We should not play God when it comes to the beginning of life or the end of life. Because God is working through suffering. Maybe we don't know how, but we know that he is. Now in this passage, when it talks about suffering, my mind goes, and I think the Romans, their mind went to Christian persecution. That was suffering, obviously. But when you look to, Roman, or, uh, to James chapter 1, where it talks about trials of many kinds and how God uses those uh, to work in our life, uh, that passage, and you bring Romans together, so I believe here when it talks about suffering, it can uh, mean hurt in all of its varied ways in each of our lives. And how are we to react to this suffering? Very important. The Bible does not say we can know the purpose. We can know there is a purpose, but we may not know the reason. Why did this happen to me? And as humans, we compare all the time. Why him and not him? Why her and not her? Why? We can't always know the reason. And if you have, if, if this is a problem with you, I would encourage you to think about parents and children. It happens all the time. The child, why do I have to go to bed now? You better give me three good reasons. I don't have to give you any reasons. You're going to bed because it's good for you. Or why can't I do that? Why do I have to do this? All the time, within the context of family, kids have questions, why, why, why? And sometimes they know the reasons, but many times they do not. If they don't know the reasons, does that mean their parents are unloving? Of 
course not. The parents just know a whole lot more than the kid. In family, it is true. With God as well, we don't always know the reason or the purpose, but we do know the how. And that's what the Bible deals with. How are we to react in suffering? How are we to react? And it says in verse 3, we rejoice in our sufferings. We boast in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. We, yes, yes, yes! Does that not sound weird? Yes, 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 but sufferings? The point isn't, give me more pain. I don't like, I don't like it. Actually, suffering is a result of the fall. Death? I don't like this. It's not like, bring on more suffering, or I like to feel this way. What is it? We rejoice in where suffering leads, and how our sovereign God can use the path of the suffering to lead somewhere that is good. So it is the path that we are led on in the suffering. Not that we're like, oh, this is fun. It's not. But where does it lead? And that's what the Bible says. Rejoice in suffering. Why? How are we to react to suffering? First, it says, we know suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance. Now, you're going to be a little jealous right now. All of, all of you are just, all your, you're just sitting there. And I assume all of you are listening. I'm a teacher. Do I need to walk around the room and make sure? I do this in the classroom. I can't right now. Okay. Anyway, so you're all jealous because I get to work out, burn some calories, get muscles here. Okay, so working out, after a while, this begins to hurt a little. And then I go, oh, I give up. Well, of course not. You, you keep going. If you heard, no pain, no gain, right? Like this. And so you work these muscles, okay? And then... When I persevere with this, what happens? When I persevere more and more, it begins to become a part of my character. And so the Bible says perseverance leads to character. It's, it's part of how you deal with life. And so if I work this way, and then all of a sudden, life throws at me another curveball. I, 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 this is different than that, but I can, perseverance, I can do it because it's a part of my character. I, I can do this. And as I persevere, and as it works into my character so that in different areas of the life, I am persevering, then the Bible says, this leads to hope. Perseverance, character, and character leads to hope. This is an obvious fact of, of life. Uh, cadets, you earn badges? Is every badge easy? No. Right? Hopefully not. Some of these badges are hard. And guess what? That is good. You struggle through it, you earn that badge. And then... When something else comes along in life, you've learned that little lesson. I got I to I struggle through. And you struggle through, and ah, 
I can stand in life, in this life that is affected by sin. Hurt is not solved yet, but I can stand with hope. I knew, I know who I am in God, and this hope will bring me through. This is obvious. Sports, music, you practice and practice, and you feel like giving up, but you don't. And then you get better. In music, you don't get the part. You're like, good, but you keep at it until it becomes beautiful. And what's so cool about music and sports is that if you keep at it, that perseverance can then have a ripple effect in other things in your life. There are people in this room who have testimonies about business problems, suffering, shall we say, in business, and they are stronger today because of it. Wow, this is good. And it happens in education all the time. It's all through life. This is an obvious point of life. You got difficulty, you persevere, you become a person of perseverance of character, and and you're able to stand strong in this world that uh, often crazy things go on around you. Now, what about Christians and this verse? Three things. Number one, the purpose and the pain and the suffering is through that God is calling you and I to persevere, to not give up. And that becomes a part of our character. And we can only do that. Actually, Hebrews 12, fixing our eyes on Jesus. As we fix our eyes on Jesus through the suffering, our hope builds and it grows. And we are stronger. This hope is a strong hope that we can stand on in this world. So first, that path of suffering and the, and the, and the reason that leads us to hope, it strengthens us. God's hope strengthens us. And secondly, this gift, this gift of God's grace, when you grow in your hope, then you become a gift to other people. There are people in this congregation today that are suffering, that are hurting. And what they need is the gift of others to come alongside them in compassion, encouragement, and they need hopeful people. And when we are hopeful to others in the church, we are a gift. This world is filled with people struggling day by day, trying to manage pain. And maybe God providentially will put you in their path. And it is so important that they rub shoulders with a believer in Jesus who has hope, who stands strong despite the pain and has hope. And when you meet somebody in this world that is drifting along in life in a hopeless state, and they meet you, and they see hope, 
Then what happens? You are a gift to them. God's grace flows through your life, this hopeful grace to those around us. The passage ends, verse 4, and hope does not disappoint us. This hope is real. It will not let you down, this hope in Jesus Christ. This is the promise of hope. So this passage has peace with God, purpose in suffering, the promise of hope, and it ends with, and this hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. God is with you. God, you look to him, he will strengthen you by his spirit. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is not an interesting theological point. It is a real working of Almighty God with us and in our lives to give us the strength. That is why we can say with confidence, I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. It is the Holy Spirit within us. When we rub shoulders with people of great hope, it inspires us. And it encourages us to persevere and to have great hope. To conclude this message, I was thinking about a story. Someone of, of great perseverance, character, and hope. When I think of stories like that, my mind goes to the persecuted church. Because our brothers and sisters in the faith, they really know what it means to potentially risk everything for the grace, the gift of God's grace in Jesus Christ. So I'd like to close with a story. Um, in eighth grade Bible, uh, uh, at one point I, I read stories from uh, this book. It's entitled Jesus Freaks. Simply it's uh, stories of uh, Christian men and women uh, that have suffered for the faith. And I'm going to close with a story. Uh, this particular one is from 1961 from the USSR. Kids, ask your parents. If your parents are young, ask your grandparents what that is. Okay? The USSR, 1961, it is about a young woman, Ida Skripnikova. And uh, the story begins when she was 19 years old. The young woman stood on the corner, handing out small cards with poems on them. Some people took the cards because they were interested in what she was handing out. Other people took the cards because, quite honestly, she was incredibly beautiful. But most people, most people probably took the cards because of the love and the joy that showed in her smile as she looked each person in the eye and handed them a card. Now, on these cards were poems that Ida had personally written. And each poem declared the love and the joy that she had 
from knowing Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Well, for this she was arrested and brought to trial. Before the court, she boldly testified, the society which you, the communists, are building can never be just because you are unjust. Whoa, what a, what a bold young woman. Well, she was sentenced to one year of imprisonment. When she was released, she went straight back to her work for the underground church. Because of her beauty, determination, and boldness, a communist newspaper labeled her as the pirate from the house of prayer. By the age of 27, Ida was facing her fourth prison term. Yet prison seemed to do little but increase her love for God's word and the importance to her faith. If it were the other way around and we had a lot of Bibles here and there were none in England, I would be prepared to be the first person to take Bibles there. Uh, the guards did many things to try to discourage her. Uh, once the guard showed me a parcel of food that contained chocolate and other good things, and then it was not given to me. However, it was an encouragement to me to know that people were praying for me and that they cared. When Ida was released from her fourth prison term, she had changed drastically. The movie star beauty of her youth was not only gone, but at the age of 30, she appeared 20 to 30 years older than that. I think about in our culture, we are so consumed with how we look, and, and here this young woman stood strong for Jesus, regardless of appearance. She was haggard and worn by years of imprisonment. If you would have seen her, you would have never recognized her as the same woman, except for one thing. Her smile. It still reflected the joy and the love of knowing Jesus Christ as her Lord and her Savior. Amen.